Hosea 15.1 through 16.14, these are the words of God. The burden against Moab, because in the night Ar of Moab is laid waste and destroyed, as in the night Kir of Moab is laid waste and destroyed, he has gone up to the temple and Dabon, to the high places to weep. Moab will wail over Nebu and over Medaba. On all their heads will be baldness and every beard cut off. And in their streets they will clothe themselves with sackcloth. On the tops of their houses and in their streets everyone will wail, weeping bitterly. Heshman and Elayalar will cry out. Their voice shall be heard as far as Jehaz. Therefore the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zoar like a three-year-old heifer, for by the ascent of Luhith they will go up with weeping, for in the way of Horonayim they will raise up a cry of destruction, for the waters of Nimrim will be desolate, for the green grass has withered away. The grass fails, there is nothing green. Therefore the abundance they have gained and what they have laid up, they will carry away to the brook of the willows. For the cry has gone all round the borders of Moab, its wailing to Eglion, and its wailing to Be'er Elim. For the waters of Demon will be full of blood, because I will bring more upon Demon. Lions upon him who escapes from Moab, and on the remnant of the land. Send the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness to the mount of the daughter of Zion. For it shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of a nest, so shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment. Make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day. Hide the outcasts. Do not betray him who escapes. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. In mercy, the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. But his lies shall not be so. Therefore Moab shall wail for Moab, everyone shall wail. For the foundations of Kir Haraseth ye shall mourn. Surely they are stricken, for the fields of Heshbon languish in the vine of Sidma. The lords of the nations have broken down its choice plants, which have reached Jezer and wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out, they are gone over the sea. Therefore I will bewail the vine of Sidma with the weeping of Jezer. I will drench you with my tears, O Heshbon and Delilah. For battle cries have fallen over your summer fruits and your harvest. Gladness is taken away, and joy from the plentiful field. In the vineyards there will be no singing, nor will there be shouting. No treaders will tread out wine in the presses. I have made their shouting cease. Therefore my heart shall resound like a harp for Moab and my inner being for Kirharas. And it shall come to pass, when it is seen, that Moab is weary on the high place, that he will come to his sanctuary to pray, but he will not prevail, 
This is the word which Yahweh has spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now Yahweh has spoken, saying, Within three years, as the years of a hired man, the glory of Moab will be despised with all that great multitude, and the remnant will be very small and feeble. Oh, my dear family, how dangerous an enemy is our own pride. At the beginning of chapter 15, the picture is of a nighttime surprise attack by the Assyrians entering Moab from the north, going from uh, from one city to another. So quick is the destruction by the plan of the attack and the location and the time uh, that they're able to take multiple cities in one night in verse 1 and uh, the destruction moves rapidly south. The the warriors of Moab are uh, left uh, impotent, powerless. Uh, and uh, you get to the end of verse 4, and Moab is in the ruins, and their strongest men are helpless and hopeless and crying out. And then we have this wonderful surprise. It's only a surprise to us because we don't know the greatness of the mercy of our God. Uh, but this interruption where Yahweh himself is saying, my heart will cry out for Moab. And he describes how great the devastation is through the end of chapter 15. And then he gives them advice. He says, send a lamb, a lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness. So now they're all the way down in Selah. <laughs> the the remnant, whatever's left of Moab, is stuck in the lowest part of the nation, almost to the border with Israel. He uh, doesn't say send it to Ephraim. Ephraim is um, in their own mess, as we'll be hearing uh, next week, Lord willing, in 17 and 18, and their alliance with Syria. It says, uh, send the lamb uh, to the mount of the daughter of Zion, and the picture in verse 2 is the uh, the Arnon, which is the big river in Moab, and the crossing at the place where the where the uh, the Arnon is most crossable, trying to get over to Judah, trying to get over uh, to their new alliance with this small and despised people who have an infinitely great and exalted God. Uh, now, alliance with Judah does not sound like the best military strategy. But an alliance with the daughter of Zion is an alliance with the anointed of the Lord. And so it certainly is the best strategy. And so he says, take counsel, execute judgments. Um, Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. I'm bringing this on them too. But you can be joined to my people. And you can suffer together and you can be restored together. And he describes the restoration and um, the end of the trouble in verse 4 and the restoration in verse 5. The extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. So the trouble ends. And then the restoration, verse 5. In mercy, the throne will be established and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David. Now we read it that way. Because we know who sits on the throne in the tabernacle of David. It's the Lord Jesus, of course. 
But if you were a Moabite, you'd be like in the tabernacle of David. And so there's an implied rejection between verse 5 and verse 6. One will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. But Moab rejects the proposal out of hand. And verse 6 through 12 really is a lament of the Lord over Moab because he has been invaded by something much worse than Assyria. He's been invaded by his own pride, which kept him from trusting in the Lord. We've seen this several times. Of course, pride is what destroyed the devil and Babylon and Assyria and Philistia and uh, in last week's reading. Pride was Ahaz's big problem. When when the Lord told Ahaz that uh, you know offered to Ahaz the sign that he would be uh, Ahaz's savior, but Ahaz was already trying to form an alliance with Assyria and Tiglath-Pileser, uh, and he, the Lord described Himself as the the stumbling stone that is laid in Zion, that Ahaz stumbled over uh, because. He wanted to trust in himself, not in the Lord. Whenever we think we are going to make up for our sin, we are going to fix our life, we are going to take away our guilt, we are going to fix our situations, we are going to... That's our pride invading, and pride is a worse invader than Assyria. And so here the Lord has made Moab this wonderful offer to be joined with Judah and Zion under the ruler who sits on the throne of the tabernacle of David in mercy and they reject it and so you have the lament over Moab we have heard of the pride of Moab verse 6 he is very proud but his and the word New King James translates it lies it's empty words his empty words shall not be so all the things that he tells himself about uh, what he's uh, going to be able to do he says, therefore, Moab shall wail for Moab. But the Lord himself mourns over him. Therefore, I will bewail the vine of Sidma, etc. He says, I have made their shouting cease. Therefore, my heart shall resound like a harp for Moab and my inner being for Kirharaz. And you see this sympathy of God, this love for God and grieving. Now, not just over Israel, we're accustomed to that. Right? And Ezekiel, why will you die, O Israel? Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? But that you would turn from your sins and live. Or Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. But here it is with Moab. In First Timothy 2, God <coughs> desiring that None should perish, but all should uh, come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, the the horrible pride of man that refuses to be saved. The mercy of God uh, that uh, sympathizes here, pictured as weeping and wailing, even as he is righteously punishing them. And of course, the righteousness of that punishment comes out in verse 12, because what does Moab do? He goes from one of his worship places to the other, from the high place of worship to the house of worship, the temple, 
And of course, he's worshiping what are not gods, and those can't help him. And basically, the gist of verses 13 and 14 is verse 13, that this isn't the first time the Lord has warned, that the Lord has been faithful in warning. (coughs) But what the Lord is doing now is similar to what he's done in other parts of the prophecy of Isaiah so far. He's given a time, soon. Um, Yeah, sometimes he gives a time in amount of years, sometimes he gives it before the child is weaned, and those kinds of things here. He gives it exactly within three years as the years of hired man. Well, what does a hired man do? He counts down the days, right? He knows the exact amount of time. And so when it comes exactly on the schedule, then everyone knows to see what the Lord does to Moab as a um, warning from the Lord, as an example and warning not to be destroyed by our own pride. For pride is a worse invader than the Assyrian army. That's the point of these two chapters. May the Lord help us to see his mercy and have our pride humbled so that putting our trust in him, we will be restored under King Jesus and we'll be happy to be under him instead of too proud to be ruled. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithful and consistent warnings to all peoples everywhere, and especially to us, where your warnings are so clearly spelled out in your word, which you have caused us to hear. And we thank you and praise you for displaying to us your compassion and even grief over the very ones whom you punish, that we might know your love, that we might know your mercy, even in the midst of judgment, and to never doubt the justness of your judgment. Save us, O Lord, from pride. It does so much damage to our lives in so many ways, and the best of us have more than uh, more than enough to harm us uh, left in us. So please forgive us and help us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.